on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. your tolerance but lecture me is there no end to your own hypocrisy your god is power you have no shame your only interest is political gain you hide your eyes and refuse to listen you play your game. coming up next america can we talk with your host debbie georgiatos Welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today on our show, we're going to talk about Durham Report revelations, swamp exposed, but now what? Interview with Dr. Simone Gold in studio. She's joined us numerous times in the past. Just to give me a really action and information-filled interview. And FBI and DOJ corruption permeates our entire justice system. I know I've talked to you already about the consequences of the Durham report, and very briefly for those um, who weren't paying attention, uh, finally John Durham released his investigation report of his investigation into the basic question, what prompted the Department of Justice to launch on a, and the FBI launch on a massive investigation into the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, a non-existent collusion and his report was really stinging and among many things pointed out that early on in fact as early as october of 2016 obama biden james comey i mean the whole slew of them Christ christopher ray john brennan they all knew that the russia collusion hoax was simply a campaign scheme a campaign smear job cooked up by hillary clinton that there was nothing to it, and yet the nation had to endure the years of their investigations, depositions, accusations, all based on nothing. And I'm gonna be talking more about that later because I've learned much more about it since we first talked about this last week. But the point I wanna make in the first five is this. What was exposed in his report, but not adequately explored, was the basic idea that the Justice Department has long departed from its constitutional commitment, its commitment in law to uphold America's rule of law, to basically apply what every American assumes exists, which is a rule of law, the presumption of innocence, and that the federal government doesn't just dive into your business, arrest people, charge people, investigate people with no basis. It's, it's, it's a fundamental sense about what justice in America means, what the rule of law means. I'll tell you a very quick story about some friends of ours. My husband and I know a couple. Um, they are, uh, the husband's a doctor, and I believe they're at this point retired. But the wife and the couple told me the story of when she was growing up. She lived in what was then called Burma. The country was called Burma. And it had a very corrupt government. There was no sense of rule of law, no sense of accountability, no sense that citizens could really ever pursue justice. And so, in her home growing up, one day the police showed up at the front door and they took away her younger brother. He was about 17, 16 or 17, still a teenager. Took him away, no, under, no basis that they knew, no charges, no arrests, just took him away. And he was gone for about two weeks. And she describes how the family felt during that time because, you know, they don't, they have, there's no legal avenue available to them, there was none, to pursue with the government, with the police, with the courts, get a lawyer, there's nothing you can do. You just have to sit at home and hope maybe your loved one will be returned to you alive. Well, uh, it was a blessing to them, of, co of course. The, the son was returned about two weeks later, um, having been mistreated, but alive. And so at that time, the husband, uh, the dad and that family said, just decided, we are going to leave Burma. We cannot stay in this country and live in a sense of fear, a sense of a concern the next time the government shows up, they need no justification, they need no excuse, they take someone away, and there's no avenue to pursue, to figure out what's going on, what court system was going to do. There just was no sense of basic human rights. That's why they came to America. 
and going back to where we are today. We'll be talking much more uh, today about January 6th and our, our conversation with Dr. Simone Gold. But there is a rising sense in America, not that exactly what happened in Burma is yet happening in America, but there is a sense that the government is not accountable to the people, that many people arrested uh, related to the January 6th protest in 2021, the January 6th protest in Washington, really pretty much did nothing wrong and went to Washington because they were uh, concerned or convinced that there had been election fraud in the 2020 election, most of whom, most of these people did pretty much nothing at all wrong, and yet they have, I'll read some statistics later, but people are prosecuted, they are pushed into pleading, uh, making a plea deal because they fear what the court system will do. And getting back to what I was talking about, what came out of the Durham report, it's bad enough that the DOJ appears to be politically motivated. They appear to be targeting political enemies of the left. They go after Trump supporters. They go after Trump in every way they can think of. They go after the patriots who are trying to support America and the rule of law, the, the conservative patriots. It's the mindset. Bad enough that that has impacted innocent Americans around this country in the course of January 6th prosecutions and in other ways I'll talk about later. But maybe one of the worst aspects of what occurred and what the Durham report revealed is that when that mindset permeates the Department of Justice and they are literally functioning at the highest levels down to the FBI agents breaking down people's doors who did nothing wrong, breaking down people's doors, engaging in confrontational, aggressive, unjustified tactics, it spreads an element of fear in society. It spreads an element that kind of teaches people, you know, you better not speak up against the government. You just better not do it. It's not permitted. It also, because of the massive effort by the Department of Justice and many people in the Washington ruling cabal to just turn against President Trump, find reasons they don't like him, reasons that they, they don't like him and you shouldn't like him, it causes people to be fearful about speaking up the next time things come around. So they're fearful of speaking up, they're fearful to protest. I just wanna posit this question. If we don't do something drastic about the Department of Justice, which I told you in the show last week, Congressman Louis Gohmert and I talked at great length about the need to actually clean out, literally dismantle and start over the Department of Justice. If we don't do that, if we don't really take hold these people accountable at the high levels of DOJ, FBI, and while we're throwing them in, Department of Defense, and the NSA, and many other places, what's gonna to happen to the rule of law in America? What's going to happen in 2024 if there's yet again an obviously stolen election? Assuming Trump's the GOP candidate, assuming he appears to win, and yet, Again, the media and the left claims, oh no, you know, with all the election fraud that you claim happened, no way, you know, Biden won again. Who's going to speak up? Who's going to dare protest? Who's going to dare to even raise the question on shows like this? When you are being taught by the government, if you dare to disagree with us, you just may face criminal prosecution and a system you can't rely on. And the mentality of just get the Trump people, get the conservatives has even permeated America's judiciary, where are you going to turn? We're going to feel like those parents did in Burma, that there's nowhere to turn, which is why now and this year and next year, while we prior to the election, while we still have a Republican majority in the United States Congress, we need to have the most thorough investigation possible, and we need to have the American people rise up and say, we are not going to accept a Department of Justice that treats the American citizens this way. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So I mentioned we have a guest in studio, Dr. Simone Gold. She is just a, um, a stellar American figure. I will say a little, little, little bit about her before I bring her on, because mostly I do want her to talk. But Dr. Gold uh, is a medical doctor to start with. She's also, she's a medical doctor and she went to law school. Um, so she's a doctor and a lawyer. And she was happily and peacefully practicing medicine until we had the uh, COVID episode, I don't even want to call it a pandemic anymore, the COVID episode arrived in America early in 2020 or late 2019, early 2020. And she was one of the original doctors who spoke up in that incredibly impressive speech on the steps of the Capitol saying, or steps of the Supreme Court, I forget, which I'll have to ask her, but in any case, saying, 
calm down here. We, we don't have to be so panicked. There are answers. We all know how the government responded. In any case, she became the founder of America's Frontline Doctors, an enormously valuable source of information about, of truth about COVID. She also became involved on January 6th and was on this show um, shortly after she uh, left her unjustified uh, prison sentence, has spoken at our summits. The, uh, we are coming up on our fourth annual Women for Freedom Summit this fall. She's just been an outspoken leader time after time after time, just speaking truth. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Simone Gold. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Simone. Uh, Dr. Gold, I'm so glad you are here. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I always love seeing you. I love seeing you, and I'm just, I am, you know, I was thinking about this and preparing for today. You are really, um, I mean, I, people probably have a lot of adjectives, but you're like an outspoken truth teller. You yeah. just are not going to play games about yeah. what really, uh, you know, what uh, happened on January 6th and what COVID did. Go ahead. Right. When I was listening to you, we are really at a fork in the road for Americans. This is it. We either fight back now or we probably will lose our chance to fight. There's an expression, you can vote your way into communism, but you have to shoot your way out. We are literally at that point. I really feel this is the last hurrah. We don't, we don't speak up now. You think it's inconvenient. You think it's a hassle. You don't want to speak up. Well, you soon won't get a chance. Absolutely true. You know, I mentioned to you when we met before we um, uh, started the show today that over the or last weekend, my husband and I were at a conference and Senator Josh Hawley spoke. And you know, there were many great speakers and they had speakers on all sorts of great issues, but he was so profound talking about the idea. It's not just the issue of transgenderism and how much the school should say or critical race theory or all the other issues that are, that are serious and facing America, but he was making the point. He was using the term Marxism, but we're really watching, as I've said in my show many times, the slow rolling, Marxist takedown of America. And he was as bold and, and clear and, 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 you know, not, and it was just logical lay out what's happening to us. I'm glad you're identifying it that right. way too. Right, I'm, I'm so glad. I will try to track down that speech. Um, I've been saying for at least two years, more like three, I think, that this has been the takedown of the American family. When you take down the family, then the government has free reign really to just impose statism. You know, if you ask people who've immigrated from Ukraine or, or Soviet Union, uh, when it was the Soviet Union, um, a child could be in school in class and then one day some doctors or nurses come in or dentists come in and they just take the child and they do whatever they think they need to do. They return the child to the classroom. The parents are not asked anything about it. You know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe they fill some cavities. Maybe it's a bad thing. Whatever they do, the parent just isn't the decision maker in that case. And we are seeing so many examples of that in our American society. It's just unbelievable. The school is incredibly oppressive. It's just this large American institution that we grew up all trusting. I went to public school. My kids went to public school. But it's now just kind of this huge organization that is really trying to take the power away from from the family. And just when you take down the American family, you've just allowed, somebody has to be in charge, right? So if it's not the family, it's going to be the government. It's going to be the government is right. Well, you know, I mentioned to you, I know we may have a second video clip to play, but I want to show our listeners. This was a clip, um, you know, so Dr. Gold was in Washington January 6th. We may talk briefly about that episode, but she was she spent an unjustified 46 days, I think it was, in federal prison over doing absolutely nothing wrong in Washington. But she did a great little video. I want to have, this is the one I sent you, Mr. Emilio, that I sent you. Okay, Mr. Emilio, my wonderful producer, will quick play this video for us. And bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my shoes and kicked in my bed But I've come through on, 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 on. I've taken my bows And my curtain calls You brought me fame and fortune And everything that goes with it Thank you all, but it's been no bed of roses, no pleasure cruise. I consider it a challenge before the whole human race, and I ain't gonna lose.
Dr. Gold speaking at one of the incredibly wonderful reawakened tours that Clay Clark organizes. So Dr. Gold, here you sit. You could just go back to medical practice and stop fighting. But here you are. I, I know you're doing a variety of things trying to speak up uh, related to our everything going on in America, as we broadly describe it, communism. I guess I want to uh, start with uh, the January 6th situation. We are now looking at uh, it's, it's over a thousand people, or nearly a thousand. I can tell you the numbers. I just looked them up. Nine hundred. I think it's more. Okay. I think we've exceeded a thousand. Okay. Yeah. The latest report I saw was nine nine nine, but I, I know it's exceeded a thousand. Our own criminal defense attorneys have informed me that the government intent, DOJ intends to go after another thousand. Right, another thousand. So a thousand, uh, th basically a little over a thousand charged. Um, Fifteen percent of them were law enforcement officers or military people. Usually fairly law-abiding people. You know, 15%, that, that's pretty massive. 85%, no connection to any extremist group. So we're looking at average Americans who showed up in Washington for whatever reasons they had um, and got charged with an amazing number of crimes. Many pled guilty, chose to plead guilty. And it seems as though in the same way the DOJ just continues to go after uh, Trump-Russia collusion, or, or barely had to acknowledge that it, it even happened. They're going after Trump in the, every way they can. This astounding persistence against the January 6th defendants, what explains it, and what are we going to do about it? Right. So this this is a huge problem for me. Look, I think, I've told you before, I think this is the biggest civil rights issue of, of our time, and that's saying a lot because the COVID took away, stripped away a lot of our civil liberties. But have you ever heard of a situation, you're an attorney, have you ever heard of a situation where the government goes after misdemeanor two years after the fact? The government is literally going after people who they are charging only with misdemeanors two years later. So by their own standard, these are not serious crimes, by their own standards, and yet they're arresting them. My own criminal defense attorney said to me about two weeks ago, we just picked up another client, she's a woman, middle-aged woman from Ohio, it's picked up on essentially a misdemeanor uh, uh, picketing charge. Misdemeanor, two years later. My goodness gracious, there's people being murdered and raped and assault and all that, right? So. If you think this isn't coming to you, right, look, it is, like if we don't win this. What's driving it? Um, I think it's a combination of ideology and so much propaganda that the minions or the lower people that are enforcing it, like the average prosecutor on the ground, I think actually believes this stuff. For example, in my case and in my co-defendant's case, there's absolute proof that the prosecutor lied at least twice. Absolute proof. It's like not a question. You could see paperwork, and then you can compare what she said with the paperwork. And you think to yourself, how does a prosecutor do that? I mean, she went through law school. She knows she's an officer of the court. I think that they're, um, it's like the Salem witch trials for the lower level people. And then the higher level people, the, the George Soros and that ilk, right? They know what they're doing. Yeah, it is a hard question. I, you know, the uh, lower level people being drawn into it. Um, there's Lennon's term, useful idiots, but they're very least, at least, they're manipulated. They, it's like that mass psychosis concept that was talked about during COVID. They've been taught this was, this was an insurrection, these people are dangerous, and they don't, they don't take the responsibility to look at the facts themselves and, and really step back from it to get perspective and realize this is crazy, go. Right, and the lesson that, that every viewer has to pay attention to in their own life is you have to make your own decisions. You really can't let other people make decisions for you. The prosecutor needs to make her own decisions. She can't just listen to the you know, lead Department of Justice telling her she's a lawyer, she's licensed by the bar in, in, in her jurisdiction. She needs to make a decision, I'm not going to lie. That's what happened to me. They presented me a patient, needed help, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm a lawyer, I'm not allowed to lie, I'm not allowed to submit false evidence to the court, I'm not going to do that. That's where the fight is. The fight is like on that micro level of every person that does it, every nurse, every doctor, every teacher, firefighter, every small business owner has to refuse to say no. The other thing I want to say to the um, average person, you know, you know, we're all in many ways like average people, but I think we all grew up thinking that communism looked entirely different than this, right? I think we grew up thinking communism was, you know, always gray and dark and, you know, a gulag and people taking you away. But I don't think so. I think communism looks a heck of a lot like this. You can go out shopping, you can buy some clothes, and you can go out to dinner with your friends. But you can't actually talk about things. You can't actually criticize the government. That's what I want to wake people up to, that I think we're living in the beginning stages of communism, but we're not even realizing it. 
could not agree more. Um, back to the judges and the lawyers involved. One more second. You know the concept of peer pressure? Like all of us taught our kids growing up, don't follow the crowd. Think for yourself. If they all jump off a cliff, are you going to do it? We taught them to think for themselves as a part of maturing into an individual adult and being able to live life in a moral way, a responsible way. We, we taught our kids that. And yet I do think part of what happens with lawyers and judges, which you think it shouldn't if you achieve the level of finishing law school and then even becoming a judge, you shouldn't be so easily pushed around. But I do think is that it's easier to go along. It's easier to say, okay, they're saying this was an insurrection. I guess I'll prosecute that way. They're saying I should call, I should maximize the charges against individuals. Doesn't seem fair, but I just will. They won't take that that strong step that adults need to take. Right, we can't be so compliant. When you look back, I've mentioned before, we don't have to go into it, but my father was a Holocaust survivor. When you look back to the history of Germany, people were very compliant with things that they didn't, that they knew wasn't really right. That's what we're seeing. You can't do things, you can't be too compliant that in a way that violates your own sense of ethics. You just have to say no, that's that's a big one. Peer pressure is huge. You have to raise your kids and you have to teach yourself not to care so much what other people think. It's okay. <laughs> Absolutely true. And you know, there's a um, mesmerism to all of this that has impacted society in another way. You do hear people saying, well, you know, those stupid people shouldn't have gone to Washington January 6th. They could have just stayed home. Even if they believe all the propaganda and they say there was no election fraud, it was a perfectly valid election, they've lost sympathy or empathy for their fellow citizens. And they think, well, these are just bad people. We're allowed, these are the other. So we don't have to care what happens to them. It's a curious thing. I wish the doctors and the psychologists would go back into studying these issues to see why humans do this. It's, it's you know, the Stanford prison experiment. It reminds me of this. It's like people are so willing to believe the other. I have known people who, who know me. They know I'm a doctor, they know I'm peaceful. And then they hear about J6 and their eyes kind of glaze over and they assume that I must have done something. So you mean all your years and years of knowledge about me and all my years of helping people, yep. you suddenly think I've done this wildly inconsistent thing. And I think the answer is it's hard for people to think for themselves. It's a little bit easier just to rely on other people, but it's very, very dangerous. I, you know, I, I the, from the human nature perspective, I would just implore people to believe yourself, look with your own eyes. And by the way, if you think that the J6 people are also guilty because they were there protesting election, I was an exception to that situation. I was there doing a medical freedom speech and people still had no trouble throwing the book at me, right? There were people who would write me on Twitter and say that, you know, you shouldn't have been there and good for you and go to jail and da da da. But really, I was there giving a health freedom speech. So it's all very convenient to put some label on it. But this casual, this is what I label casual cruelty. My book that's coming up later this year called Selective Prosecution, it'll be out in a few months. I'm sorry, Selective Persecution, a play on the word prosecution. I have a chapter on what I call select um, casual cruelty. Casual cruelty is what we, um, we observed a lot in the hospitals. Doctors and nurses always, we think of them as very compassionate, kind people. But what we saw in, in the COVID years, I also don't call it you know pandemic, in the COVID years was just this casual cruelty from nurses and doctors to patients. We didn't see that. And this casual cruelty is sort of a hallmarker of, of and a harbinger of Marxism. It, absolutely, uh, Marxism is exactly right. You know, the term cancel culture became trendy quite a few years ago, actually. It was, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, um, people, think of it as an outdated concept, but really cancel culture, the idea that if you think something that has now been designated as unapproved, unacceptable, you know, you're just to be ignored, you're to be shut down, you're to be shunned, we're not going to hang around with you because you think this. And this cancel culture kind of mushroomed into what we agree the government can do they, and media does to entire groups of people, whether the January 6th protesters, many of whom did nothing wrong at all and many of whom are still cowering at home feeling like the family in Burma thinking you know I hope they don't realize I was there I hope they don't come to my door because they know they can be charged even if it's unjustified yeah absolutely so the cancel culture thing is, is huge and I'm glad you bring it back up because it wasn't just the judicial punishment that we went through so Americans maybe you're okay with you know having the judicial system come down heavy on somebody who is present at the Capitol on J6. Maybe you're okay with that, but are you really okay with all the extra judicial punishment? The J6 defendants are uniquely suffering. The fact that we had our bank accounts canceled, the fact that we couldn't travel, the fact that in my case, my minor son was blocked from traveling, the fact that somebody I worked with, his wife couldn't travel. This is the extra judicial punishment that is being levied. And and I'm sorry, but like this Go is ahead. so anti, no, I, I'm just saying it's you're so anti-American. No, 
I just want everyone who's hearing this to realize this is not about a particular ideology. This is about silencing citizens and entire and really entire citizenry. They may start with Trump supporters or, in my case, medical freedom advocates, but it's coming for everyone. They just want to make us compliant, meek, and 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 following orders. Absolutely true. Which is, as you say, it's it's um. It's heading into Marxism. People understand in those countries, Marxist, socialist countries, you don't challenge the government. And the harsher they are, the more you say, okay, I'm just going to be quiet, stay home, and maybe they'll leave me alone. So uh, on the January 6th situation, we still have, as you mentioned, a 1,000 cases coming up. And I keep thinking, in fact, if you watched our show, I think it was four weeks ago, uh, five weeks ago, we had Jaleese and Mark Middleton on, and they are a Texas farming family. They are the most non-political. These are not political activists. They went to Washington on January. 6, 2021, because they felt, as millions of Americans did, very sure that the election of 2020 was stolen. They wanted to stand up for their president. And we, if you haven't watched that story, I urge you to go to our website, americachemitalk.org. Under the list of guests, you can go back to Jaleese and Mark Middleton. Their story is staggering. And I just ask you, put yourself in their shoes. And even if you are someone who believes the election was valid, and you think that you know all this talk of election integrity is false, what you're agreeing, you, you can think that, and still you should be strongly opposed to the conduct of the Department of Justice, the FBI, their treatment of the American people. This doesn't belong in American society, no matter where you are in the political spectrum. This is a, this is a beginning of the downfall of America, or we're past the beginning, but we're in the downfall of America, and America needs patriots at every level speaking up and saying this is not okay in America. It has to be the message you give to your congressmen, to your senators, the way you speak in your neighborhoods. And on that cancel culture subject, I was telling you, you do meet so many people where you just, you meet them in social contexts. And I mean, I'm so concerned about America's future. I was telling you, we had a neighborhood you know, block party over the weekend. Most of the people there were just smiling and chit-chatting and how long you lived here and where you're from. And I was just looking at them thinking, do any of them see what's coming? Or do any of them see? And, you know, we have lovely area and there's nice grocery stores and they're filled and there's just nothing to worry about there. And yet this is how even in countries like in Venezuela, you know, and, and other countries which just ultimately collapsed to communism, the comfort of the people deprives them of their or they don't use the acuity, the determination to see what's happening. Right. And, you know, it, as long as people are somewhat comfortable in their physical lives, and their physical selves, they seem unwilling to fight. I, we wouldn't put up with this. Like now it's three generations, but certainly three generations ago, Americans would never put up with this. We have been so blessed in this nation. Everybody knows. I'm sorry. I, I, I think everybody in this nation knows where the next meal is coming from. You know, everybody who wants to have a roof over their head pretty much has a roof over their head. You know, we have um, emergency care. You can walk into an emergency room and get emergency care. You know, we have our physical needs so taken care of that people are afraid to rock the boat for their physical comforts. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you don't speak up now, soon your physical comforts will be gone too. <laughs> like, Absolutely true. Absolutely. And you, the stories from Venezuela, we've had people on the show, in fact, relatively young adult men, their late 20s, who grew up in Venezuela, and they are telling you, the messages you're hearing from the left in this country, this is what we fell for, with what we voted for. We thought well, it'll be okay. They're just take, they're just trying to help us. That's why they're taking control of this, and they're preventing that, and they're, they're, we're slow rolling, losing our country, but they didn't see it until it was too late, and they're, they're just on the rooftops, so to speak, screaming, saying, please recognize us, what's happening to your country. So you had an idea about the January 6th situation, how to get more people engaged and caring and, and a message to a broader population about the January 6th situation. So you want to share a little bit about that? I do. You know, I, th I think one of the things that's gone wrong is we were so propagandized, you know, that January 6th was something that it wasn't. And now a lot of people have woken up, they've seen enough of the videos to know that it wasn't exactly that. But it's still super hard for people to relate to the fact that the government has done something so evil. And it really helps if people know somebody. So which has happened to is one of the reasons I speak out about it that I am J6. Literally, I'm a doctor and a lawyer leading a civil rights organization, and and they've arrested me and the FBI took me down, etc. And it helps people to see people like me. So I believe we need people all across the nation, faith-based people, people that attend church or people that are in Bible classes, study classes that know that there is really one true law under God that we people have to reach out to the J6 defendants who are peaceful, normal people like us, like the couple you spoke about, the, de the, the Texas farmers. And I'm curious to see if people of faith, you know, people who attend a church, 
each one wants to adopt a J6 defendant, right? Right? Those, we need the pastors, we need the people, you need to step up and you need to adopt a J6 defendant. You need to see face to face that I am you, you are me, the other defendants, are a lot of them are like me, the vast majority are like me. Come, I'd, I'd like to invite the American people, American church, people who believe in God, adopt a J6 defendant. I love that adopt a J6 defendant. I mean, I really do, and I think the church is a good place to start. There are a lot of uh, different activists trying to bring the American church back into um, engagement with the world, you know, and and not just in you know establishing another soup kitchen, not, not just the kind of social welfare things, but really engaging the American people and defending the freedom upon which America was founded. You know, there was a um, the founding of America had everything to do with the idea uh, the, from the Declaration, the idea of God's rights from God, rights from our Creator to men and women, all of us created equal, and you have inherent rights. I always add, since because just because you were born. Because you're born, you have rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and America's great goodness came from people loving that idea, embracing that idea, creating a country around that idea. And that is where we are right now. We need the churches to re-engage. They have very much been taken over by a lot of the social justice warrior mindset and really by leftism um, in, in many, many contexts. But this idea of re-engaging the church, you're a guardian for the freedom of your fellow citizens. You're part of your job in defending uh, freedom of faith is defending freedom of Americans to live in this country and, the, and to make the demand of government that they honor that freedom. It's a hugely important idea. Right, so we have to remind people the individual is, is preeminent, right? Our founding fathers knew this. We, we have a bill of rights because our founding fathers knew that creeping government always ends up in totalitarianism. So why don't we take the power of the individual, the power of the individual story, and, and, and show that to people? It's very compelling. For example, in the COVID era, you know, one or, the, or even in the transgender issues that, that we're facing as a society, I advocate for going after the individuals who are doing the harm. The individual doctor who's literally cutting off the genitals of a 16-year-old or 17-year-old person. We need to go after that individual doctor because when people see that individual story, they then can understand the larger story. And yep. this is my idea with the J6. You need to meet a J6 defendant. You need to get to know a J6 defendant. You will be horrified to discover they're a lot like you. Absolutely true. And I love that concept of adopted J6 defense. It's really, really good. Okay, I do want to briefly touch on trying to, um, because we have so many things we could talk yeah. about. Uh, so, turning the page or topic yeah. hopping. So, after you, um, you established America's Frontline Doctors, uh, spent a completely unjustified period of 46 days uh, in federal confinement uh, over January 6th. You got around to discover that things had happened to America's frontline doctors, and there was a there was apparently an effort to have you step back. And I I don't know how much what you want to share, but there was an attack on you and really on the organization, an attempt to kind of take it over and pull it away from you. And I think you've had some good outcomes so far. So as much as you want to share, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. First of all, go to drsimonegold.com for the latest information. But I'm happy that we're really turning the tide. There was a grifter. Um, somebody I would call a criminal, that would be my description. And when I was gone, he saw an opportunity to make a fame and fortune for himself. And then when I put a stop to that, because if I'm anything, I'm a whistleblower, and I'm not gonna stand for corruption in my own organization. So I tried to remove him, he refused to go, he defamed me like crazy, and you know, it's been a very difficult seven, eight months. But I, don't, I didn't wanna detract from the beautiful work that America's Frontline Doctors does, so I didn't talk about it that much publicly. But we were turning the corner, those, uh, the grifter, criminal guy actually finally quit. He resigned, he quit. The remainder of the board um, understood that I was being maligned and defamed. And I'm here to say that America's Frontline Doctors is back with a roar. We came to national prominence at the White Coat Summit in July of 2020. And I promise everybody a very exciting three-year anniversary of July 2023. Stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of information. Stay tuned. DrSimoneGold.com is going to be great. Okay. I want to back up to this okay. uh, actually back up to several backups to start with there's so you, much you're going to have a white coat uh re a new summit and i'm sorry the date is again july 26th july 26 2023 yes. and so anyone can come and be in the audience and clap the best way to get information is is really to sign up at my website and we'll give you information we're probably only yeah yeah i don't okay. want to say too many details the steps yet. of the supreme court or the mm -hmm. capital supreme court supreme court okay Scotus. okay I, I love that idea and i so remember that i think it's even before i knew you i don't think was, i met you yet you but I, that white coat summit one, thing i was like, this is the this is the, this is we're going to finish it up you know this the white coat summit initially was to bring you information this is the white coat summit the reckoning we're going to get an accounting 
of the people who did this to us. Well, actually, that's a good point, and it actually ties into everything we're talking about. Part of what people feel frustrated about in this country on many issues, election fraud being one, mm -hmm. January 6th being one, is we can't, it feels like we can't find a way to force justice to happen. Mm -hmm. Like people just, no matter what the issue is, we can talk about it in shows like this, and you and I can text about it and talk about it, but, but what's going to make change happen? And when you don't feel like there's a way to actually make the government listen to you, actually make them respond, uh, it, it leads to more and more division and suspicion, and, and it, it doesn't bode well for America's future. So a reckoning is a really good word. I want a full reckoning, by the way, about COVID. I want to turn to COVID in a second. I want a full reckoning on COVID and what they actually did to this country uh, during the COVID. But, yeah. but. There's a there's a lot of criminal behavior, and um, I think we've now seen that the institutions that we relied on, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the government in general, really have let us down. They've really become corrupted. So the only option is the people. The people have to be super awake to what's going on, and they have to really care and become engaged. And part of that starts with just the education. Um, and I do think that this summer, the White Coat Summit, the reckoning, is going to put. Um, it's going to give the information to the people that are waiting for what's going to happen next. There has to be consequences for bad behavior. And we're not seeing it, but we, I do think we can see that this summer when I will outline who has done what and what should happen to them. I love Hashtag that. Hashtag arrest Fauci. Okay, well, I was going to say, you actually, from your website, which is uh, goldcare, like G-O-L-D-C-A-R-E, goldcare.com, about you have a list of things that are really all wonderful uh, things that should be done. Before I get to those, you said earlier your book is, your next book is Selective Persecution. Yes. When's it coming out? So probably not till October. So I will let you know. Okay. Well, I like the title already. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's mostly written and I just have to do the last little pieces. And it's um, such, it's, so what Selective Persecution the book is about is, is the rise of American fascism. And it uses my J6 story, which is a pretty interesting, compelling story, to walk you through how fascism is, is becoming institution is becoming the institution of our land. Uh, couldn't agree more. And without in too much detail, I did look up again today uh, your sentencing when you were being sentenced for uh, doing nothing wrong on January sixth. Sure. Uh, the judge. I mean, this is what I mean about the the unseen effects of the Durham report or what the Durham report revealed, which is inside the Department of Justice, this mindset seems to have been embraced that just says we are no longer committed to the Constitution, the rule of law, the even application of justice. We know who we're supposed to go after and we'll find a way to do it. And this is their highest sense of justice or what they think they should be doing. And it permeates everywhere into the judiciary. I mean, I am shocked that there aren't more judges in the Washington DC District Court and the Court of Appeals speaking up and saying there's kind of a witch hunt going on here how could we have all of you know 2020 overtaken by black lives matter and antifa protests we have obvious infiltration by the fbi and the january 6th protest but all we're going to do is go after people like dr Simone gold so here i you couldn't be more right that the judges should be speaking up and my only answer is that they kept everything in one district they, they these are all of the same ilk i mean we are a nation of 50 states and and you know hundreds or thousands perhaps of district courts different jurisdictions but they're all being tried in the same jurisdiction so we're having people that all are being appointed and and socializing together intermarriage my my judge for example he and his wife were married by merrick garland that's my <laughs> judge. his wife works for lisa page so i mean that would be okay if, if the court cases were spread out across the nation but all of the j6 people are being tried and educated by these same type of people. Yeah, well, and they're, yeah, they're being tried but in a place where 94% of the people vote for Democrats. And, and on top of that, the whole pummeling of the American public about this, it, it, the media's complicit yes. and, and for ignorant people who think, well, there was an insurrection. We have to stop this in any, in any way we can. I mean, there's the media's complicity. Yeah. It is the failure of people within the DOJ never speaking up. I mean, I do, I actually wonder how it could be inside the DOJ, no one who's working in these cases realized there's something wrong what we're doing here. I mean, all of these crazy things happened, you know, the riots of the BLM and Antifa and destruction of Washington, D.C. property. But all we can think about is, can we find some little old lady in Arkansas who showed up in the mall for 10 minutes and go after her? Right. Where is the character of the of the DOJ lawyers? Right, so it's- I know I'm repeating myself. I'm no, so frustrated. It's, it's so frustrating. It's so upsetting. And 
again, I've been to law school, you're a lawyer, and it's so upsetting. I saw the destruction, really, of the medical field, and it's really the destruction of the legal field. People have an obligation, but they're kind of just following their comfort level and their paycheck, and it's really, really disappointing. That's kind of the maybe the middle-aged people. And then the younger people are being trained in a certain way of groupthink. So, you know, when I was arrested, very violent, as, as you remember, there were some young FBI agents there, and they kind of looked shocked. But they're young puppies compared to the alpha dog in their group. And the alpha dog in the group is not looking all that upset, so they are like, I guess it's not that bad. I mean, one of the guys looked like he was about in tears, and he was 25. And he, I, he, clearly he didn't go to become an FBI agent to, to storm to my doors. To doctor at home. Just yeah, to, yeah, but he's not being taught differently by his superiors. You know, we used to teach young pups better. But another, another aspect of this, I'll get off January 6th in a moment, but I do think it is a civil rights issue of our time. Another aspect of all of this, the way judges were impacted is, I know, at least in the case of Mark and Julius Middleton, they asked, their lawyer asked for a change of venue, which is a very common thing to occur when everyone knows about the crime in a particular area. Change of venue is not there to make it easier for the prosecutor. It's there to protect a defendant and your presumption of innocence and your right to a fair trial. And there's their request, as other in other cases, was turned down. It's like they, they they just can't even fathom that these people have a right to an actually fair trial. If you if you were a neutral arbiter, you wouldn't mind giving up cha- the case because you would feel dispassionate towards it. You would just feel, oh, there's a problem over here, not a problem over here. On the appearance of propriety, I will give up the venue. Not a single J6 uh, judge has changed the venue. Not a single one. It's astonishing. One. And by the way, of all those cases, a lot, I read data from the first day of this month, I think. Um, there's only been one acquittal, and that was one person who chose a judge trial, which means they, yeah. they waive their right to a jury, which is your right in any criminal case. And so they, they had a judge who I guess was a Trump had judge. some yeah. sense of clarity or thought or some sense of honesty just said, you, you can't prosecute for this. Way, you, Are you, know how, me? you know, you said 15% of the, the J6 defendants were, were some kind of military. The numbers who were in the gulag, though, was very, very high. I don't want to misspeak, so I don't want to say the number on air, but I believe it was the majority that are, are, are military veterans. I mean, this is not an accident. It, it's a crazy thing. Okay, I do want to turn one more thing. Not crazy. This is yeah. untenable, outrageous situation, and it's not going to end unless the American people get involved. I like your, your idea of just churches adopting a J6 defendant. I want the people, when you go to any little event for your congressman or fundraiser, raise your hand and say, can you explain what Congress is doing about the January 6th yeah. defendants? Can you do something about that? You have the power of the purse. Can you cut off? You know, can you say no more money to this? To this? I mean, something has to happen for the uh, FBI and the DOJ to get a sense that the American people are not going to tolerate this. All right, quickly on Gold Care. Um, I noticed you had, this is again, goldcare.com, and you have a, um, you mention a bunch of things that you're trying to do, but the gist of it is to try to get, provide for healthcare system outside of the existing healthcare system. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the news is so depressing, right? (laughs) You cover it all the time and everything. It's so depressing, but I, I I look at this as an opportunity. We have an amazing country to save. And there are aspects of, the, of, of this problem that we can influence as, as individuals. One of the biggest problems, you know, obviously, the immediate problems of election fraud probably trump this in terms of its urgency. But probably, really, the biggest problem is actually the medical industrial complex. And the reason I say it's the biggest is because it's such a huge portion of our economy. The military industrial complex is about 4% of our economy, but the medical industrial complex is about 20% of our economy. And most of those decisions are made through kind of socialized decisions that are being set by Medicare policy. And the people funding it are, are not me, I'm taking myself out of it, but it's almost everybody watching this audience. You say, how is it getting funded? It's funded by you purchasing a health insurance premium. You buy a health insurance premium, you buy it to Kaiser, you buy it um, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you buy it to Optum, you buy it United Health Group. That premium is funding the medical industrial complex. It's strangling us. It's restricting your freedom, restricting your choices, and also really robbing you in a financial way. So I've had this vision for many, many years of how to fix the system. And it's always been about stepping away from the, milita- uh, the medical industrial complex. Gold care is the answer. We have national telemedicine in almost all states, I think 46 states now. You come, you become a member, and, and you're able to access honorable ethical doctors who follow their Hippocratic Oath. We also don't have a bias towards illness. We have a bias towards wellness. So you can see an allopathic trained doctor like myself, or you can see a wellness naturopathic kind of doctor. That's another way we're different. And then finally, it's actually less expensive than whatever you're doing. Almost everybody can do gold care for less money than what you're doing right now. I mean, it's we've got to take this area back, and it's something that the average American can do. 
please come and join us, goldcare.com. Yeah, goldcare.com. I think it's a fabulous thing. Well, Dr. Gold, I um, could ask you so many more questions. I'm just, first of all, I'm grateful for your leadership, really within the medical community, because when you got America's Frontline Doctors started, numerous doctors joined. I don't even know how many doctors were part of now it. Now we have over 2,000 doctors and about a million uh, non-doctors. Okay. The concept of someone stepping up and just, it really just kind of, you became a boulder in the road to what was the planned idea for the pandemic or whatever you want, pandemic, pandemic, but for the concept of the vaccines to be pushed, for American people to be lied to about the efficacy of numerous treatments, which you and other doctors have had in the show, but early on were saying, actually, you know, this, this um, COVID is, you know, you can be, it's a flu and sometimes you get pretty sick, but you can try ivermectin, inhaled budesonide, hydroxychloroquine, whatever, all the things are, I'm not, I'm not a medical person, but I know I had doctors on saying, I don't understand why Dr. Fauci is so insistent on the only answer being stay home, get sick, and wait for the vaccines to be ready. And so you, you went from re figuring out this with your medical training and knowledge to being active and leading and saying, okay, let's form something. And then other doctors joined, many doctors joined to say, yeah, someone's speaking up. And it's really for the patient. It's not for your right. I mean, it's your rights to the doctors, but for the patient, for the American person. Right, right. So anyway, it goes back to the fact that the that we're ushering in tyranny through the medical system. The medical system is the gateway drug to um, bring tyranny to our shores. So I feel like Gold Care is the answer for you if you have questions and you are afraid. For example, they tell you next year that you need to be really afraid of monkeypox or avian flu or something else. You need to have a consultant who you can rely on, who know, you know will give you unbiased information, who you, you know will put the doctor-patient relationship first. That person will become your guide when they try to take our nation down again through a medical tyranny model just like they did in the past few years. That's really what Gold Care is about, is getting you empowered so you don't live in fear. I love it. I love it. And that was a whole other element. Um, you probably saw the book, um, United States of Fear. It was by Dr. Mark McDonald. Yes. He's, a, he's an America's frontline doctor. And, and yeah, he's been on the show several times. Yeah. Just talking about the idea, because people, you know, throughout history, Communists, Marxists, taking over countries, one thing they want to do early on is inflict fear, where people just, you're afraid if you don't do what, if you do what you're told, you're going to be okay, but if you step out of line, you might not be. And it's for most people, they say, okay, okay, as long as I don't have too much freedom taken away, I'm willing to go along with this. I saw this great point in, um, earlier, I want to quick tell you about it. When COVID came along, people, um, you know, you had the healthcare community, many people telling people, well, you know, there, there's a problem and here's what you have to do. And the instinctive reaction for most people is, well, I, I don't want to stay home all the time. I don't want to wear a mask. I'd rather take, but you were kind of bullied into saying, well, okay, okay. So you back up a little bit and then you have, um, and, and then you have, oh, we have your video. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can do it. We're good. Um, so you had people backing up from, you know, kind of the center space of, yes, we live in a country with individual freedom, rights from God, my right to make our own decisions, and all that. You back up a little bit. Then the next issue comes along and you're kind of bullied right at the edge of your, of your tolerance and you're, they use fear. So you back up a little more and say, okay, okay. As long as we only go this far, then I'm okay. I'm willing to put up with this. The point is, as you give up freedoms one after one after one, it is the way Marxism takes over a country. It's the way communism takes over. If they, if the Democrats or any politician ran on the platform of, we are communists, we're taking all your freedom, we're collectivizing everything, we're going to take most of your money, we're going to control where you live and what you drive and, and what you're allowed to do, you would know to vote against it. People would know. But they get lured into an accommodation of fear and also the carrot, the promises of, uh, you know, we have more things coming. We can make everything okay. Just vote with us. And that American spirit, that founding American spirit that says, I want the country, the declaration was talking about. That is what is needed. Okay, Dr. Gold sent another video. Okay, Mr. Amelia, do we have that thing? Okay, so we have another thing we're going to show you from the very wonderful Dr. Simone Gold. So go ahead. Well, may I uh, share? Go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I know because we, I just want to make sure people, you had asked me a little bit ago about everything I've been through in the last few months and how America's Frontline Doctors is doing. And I said to you that I was kind of quiet, really, because I, I didn't want people to worry too much. I knew we would prevail in the end. And it was just taking a little bit of time. So we put together a documentary, which will explain exactly what happened to America's Frontline Doctors. And, and that's what you're about to watch the trailer. All right. Thank you.
But there's somebody that came into your organization that you trusted. A pandemic whistleblower, sabotaged from within. And then the defamation that he subjected me to. The board is aware of what they're doing. The frontline doctor who sparked a national movement, now smeared with claims of money and mansions. If there's any doubt as to who to believe and what to think, I will say this. They're paying themselves and they're not paying the people who were doing the work. I think to myself, what is AFLDS without its people and without its vendors? Despite overcoming medical industry corruption and even political imprisonment, she remains constantly in the crosshairs. They're not fighting over America's Frontline Doctors organization. They're fighting over the bank account of America's Frontline Doctors. This needs to stop. A deep dive to discover the truth. Did America's doctor lose her way? With all of this evidence stacked against him, why on earth would somebody think that they could get away with this kind of lie? Always under fire. The reevaluation of Dr. Simone Gold. Now I can't wait for the whole thing. Yeah. That's a very, very powerful trailer. Very, very powerful. You'll be able to find it at drsimonegold.com. Drsimonegold.com. Excuse me, drsimonegold.com. Okay, quickly, we're getting near the point. I do love to tell you why we, uh, what we talked about, but I do want to introduce, so we have a guest coming on the show tomorrow who happens to be sitting here in the studio. So I'm going to ask him, do you want to come over and just say hi? I'll quickly tell you, uh, this gentleman, uh, and I, do we have the camera set right? Okay, we do. Okay, this is John Strand. He's going to join me tomorrow on the show. We're going to talk about his situation. This basically relates to January 6th, another person who's been victimized by the January 6th persecutions which is what they are not prosecutions and uh, yeah i just well said <laughs> do i say a quick few words are you uh, well looking forward to speaking with you and sharing truth and spotlighting this uh, civil rights violation in our time i also will tell you i'm so impressed by your i think it is on your true social page you're not just focusing on poor me january 6th you're into this saving america mode and and i, I, the, I mean the issues you talk about in there we're going to run through all of them Absolutely. so Okay, well, I'm so glad you joined me tomorrow. Thank you. Okay, my friends, I will tell you a couple more things. Um, I'm so glad you happened to be able to uh, be here to do that with us today. Um, I want to take a last few minutes. I want to thank Dr. Gold for joining me. Thank you for joining thank us. Thank you so much. I want to quick throw in some last uh, stories, uh, and I'm going to tease them because I'll be talking about them more later in the week. But I call this segment, The FBI and DOJ Corruption Permeates the Entire Justice System. I just want to mention a couple things. I just learned these things myself. I have not yet read the entire Durham report, but I am going to. It's only 306 pages. I can do this, and I, I will do it because I think you should know how bad it is. But I do want to just mention, I talked earlier about how it's one thing to know some facts, like in October of 2016, all of the leftist cabal in this country knew that the Russia collusion story was a complete hoax, was cooked up by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Hillary knew it. Obama knew it, Biden knew it, all these people knew that, and not one of them spoke up. Many people inside the Department of Justice, even if they didn't know yet, they didn't all know all at once where the story came from, they knew. They understood that this was a complete hoax. The going after of President Trump for alleged collusion with the Russians was a hoax. They knew it. No one had the courage to come forward, not one. And, and now we're finally seeing a few whistleblowers come out, and which is a great thing. But I, I, again, this idea of the, the need, the compelling need for Americans to recognize this is a time in our country, in our history, we must, must have courage for the American citizens. But the mindset of the DOJ that was really exposed by the Durham report, and frankly, many people I know who are heavily involved in all this said, I'm not surprised by anything I saw in the Durham report. In fact, I'm kind of disappointed because Durham didn't go through and say, here's a list of people who should be prosecuted for this. Here's a list of crimes committed by this person. It wasn't nearly as specific and thorough as it could have been. It also was not, didn't dive into, in fact, acknowledge that it didn't dive into what did Mueller investigate? Like, imagine if you were a, a prosecutor and someone came to you and said, we want you to prosecute, you know, John Doe. And there's nothing to it. And, or there's something you could easily see through. There's nothing to it. It's Hillary Clinton. What, what would you do then? Would you just say, okay, I mean, how do I even get started? 
Other points to keep in mind, because it shows the depth of the ideological rot, the corruption of the DOJ. You all know the term the FISA courts, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Courts, and that's basically the section of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, Surveillance Act uh, Section 702, is supposed to be used by the FBI to go to FISA courts to get subpoena, to, to get permission to wiretap, subpoena, spy on foreign people, foreign agents. It's not supposed to be used against Americans. And not only was it used against Americans, but the fact that still today, here we sit in 2023, the FISA, FISA process is still being used by this corrupt Department of Justice to go after American citizens, including, for example, recently uncovered 19,000 donors, 19,000 donors to one congressional candidate. Obviously someone the FBI, DOJ doesn't like, but the willingness to abuse power, the willingness to violate the law is staggering and unrelenting. Nobody inside the FBI seems to have gotten the memo that says we cannot continue to tolerate this. You can't conduct yourself as kind of a Rambo against the opponents of the of the American left. So you have, I mean, the, the examples they were giving are, are simply stunning. There were a couple of other ones. Um, uh, the FBI misused Section 702, the same the FISA warrants, more than 278,000 times. Misused it more than 278,000 times. And this is even as reported by the Washington Post. When we allow the national law enforcement agencies of this country to decide their mission is to destroy political opponents, their mission is to take down, investigate, and destroy the lives of American citizens because they can, we have lost the rule of law. One of the primary, uh, you know, gold standard level, primary promises of America's founding. It's why there must be very strong action taken by the slim majority Republicans in the U.S. House. By And it really, it should matter to both sides of the aisle. It shouldn't be uh, a Republican versus Democrat issue because if it gets that corrupt, of course it can be corrupt uh, the other way too. I'll tell you another I, uh, just violation of the whole concept of rule of law, in addition to the FISA things being overused um, repeatedly, is this idea we were talking about with Dr. Gold just a minute ago no one apparently in the DOJ sees it as problematic that in every single case and they're going after anyone involved with January 6th, they won't move the trial. I mean, if the prosecution and the defense lawyers both said to the judge, we think there should be a change of venue, you've got to try this somewhere else in Washington, D.C., that'd be a whole different ball of wax, a whole different issue for a judge to address. But they don't do it. They're fully aware conservatives cannot get a free trial and they don't care. The January 6th defendants cannot get a fair trial with the Department of Justice prosecuting them and no one seems to care. I'll close the show by saying this. Devin Nunes uh, was interviewed over the weekend, I think on Maria Bartiroma, and he's talking about, you know, his takeaway from the Durham report. And Devin Nunes is just a rock star hero uh, on the conservative side, served uh, in the U.S. House from California for many years, uh, kept trying to get at the truth uh, and being stonewalled by the DOJ, by the Democrats, by everybody. But he made this comment on uh, Maria Bartiroma's report. He basically said, what his single biggest takeaway of the Durham report is that we are seeing the collapse of the justice system. And he went on to say, we can't do anything about it. That's how he sees it. That's how the American people see it. There seems to be nothing that can be done about it. And he just talked about, you know, take a bigger global view. It's not just that the DOJ, you know, conducted the Trump-Russia collusion investigation when they knew there was nothing to it. They continue to misuse the FISA court and still do today. And they had judges. These are FISA court judges, by the way, are appointed by the uh, Supreme Court, by the chief justice of the Supreme Court, hand-selected judges to sit in the FISA courts, and none of those judges ever stopped. It doesn't appear. They didn't seem to turn down when they were requested to, to grant warrants to spy on people. None of them seemed to, seemed to care. The DOJ continuing the preposterous accusations regarding documents at Mar-a-Lago. I'm making the point, the Durham report, what it revealed was bad enough, but there is, doesn't seem to be yet a conscience emerging in the Department of Justice. And for many Americans, we simply cannot figure out how we're going to get out of this. I have more ideas about that, but I'm, as usual, past 
uh, my time. So we do at the close of every show talk about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today talking about the Durham report revelations, swamp exposed, but now what? FBI, DOJ corruption, brazen dishonesty, abuse of legal process, stunning double standards. FBI, DOJ now definitely exposed no evidence of shame or remorse. Whistleblowers are being punished. We haven't even gone to those stories yet. Mainstream media is still covering for the FBI and the DOJ or ignoring this story and its implications. And in Washington, D.C., absolutely zero steps toward accountability. The disconnect between an utterly defiled and discredited ruling class and the American ideal of a noble, self-governing people has never been larger in U.S. history. This level of disconnect is unsustainable. Human nature enriched and lived, excuse me, and lifted by living in freedom and justice will not tolerate it. These are historic times in America. Get engaged on the side of America as founded. And the FBI DOJ corruption permeates the entire justice system. FBI and DOJ representatives who leak and lie, including while under oath, FBI DOJ willingness to fabricate crimes and evidence against political enemies, corrupt prosecutors who withhold exculpatory evidence, cowardly FISA and other judges, rubber stamp beltway juries who convict for the crime of being conservative, obvious criminality by Biden, Obama, Clinton, tossed aside and ignored. The entirety of the U.S. justice system has collapsed into dishonesty and immorality. There is no precedent for national recovery following moral collapse on this scale. Maybe Americans can save our country, maybe not. But if Americans don't try, it won't be done. Get engaged to save America. That, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I will tell you tomorrow we'll have on the show John Strand. Wednesday we'll have on the show, let me just turn to Thursday because I'm past time. Thursday show, full one-hour interview with in-studio audience, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. If you're not following his latest work on Substack, on his podcast, he is coming to the same observations as many other Americans. We are watching the destruction of America, and Americans better speak up. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I do the show Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do the show to speak up for America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-